This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Okay, so you know how sometimes in the raw rapid-fire interviews that we do over on Instagram, I ask our guests who they Insta-stalk. And I have a confession. I used to Insta-stalk today's guest for like two years. (laughs) I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. She lives in Australia, so I didn't reach out to her. Our paths have never crossed before today. And I just thought she was so beautiful and she had this perfect family. I wanted every one of her outfits. Her photos are so gorgeous. I mean, you've all been there. Like We all do this with other people on social media. Anyways, I'm so excited to talk to her because she is all of this and more. But what I really loved about our conversation is how real and raw the story is behind her highlight reel. So before we dive into all of that, I want to tell you about one of our partners for today's episode. Since I'm all about being raw in this podcast, we're going to kickstart this episode with a little period talk. Oh yeah, I'm going there. Ever since having kids, I've been getting the worst kind of cramps and PMS around that time of month. And I'm not a huge fan of loading up on pain medication. So I was really happy to find a cleaner form of pain relief from Mia Relief Co. The pain relief formula is made using the highest quality CBD ingredients and natural extracts and is 100% THC free. You can use the inhale pen, they have these yummy gummies, or it comes in droplet form that you can add to your favorite warm beverage. My personal favorite would be the gummies because I always have a sweet tooth around that time of month. Mia is giving raw listeners 20% off their orders, which is amazing. Visit miarelief.com and use the promo code RAW20 for 20% off. Everyone who is tuning in internationally, they do ship worldwide. All right. Happy period, people. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so you're probably dying to know who today's guest is. Actually, no, that doesn't even make sense. You know who today's guest is because you clicked on the link to actually listen to this. So turns out I'm not actually that smart. (laughs) Ah, I love it. Okay, Ange Simpson is our guest today. I am so pumped to talk to her. She's an integrative nutrition health coach. She's a mom of two. She's a writer and a happiness expert. Who doesn't need a happiness expert on their podcast? Like, nailed it. She works with big-hearted females who feel like they've been lost or they're yet to have found that golden light in life that makes them feel whole. Through her work as a coach and through her platform, The Gratitude Project, she helps bring women back home to themselves and their happiness. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So it's morning right now where you are. You're on the Gold Coast of Australia. Is that correct? I am. And it's like 9am and it's not so golden today. It's like we've had a cold snap and we're not used to it. So we're always like kind of shocked and offended when it gets cold here. So I have to wear a jumper, which is just not okay right now. (laughs) 
wearing a jumper, everyone. And she's clearly not from Canada, which is where I'm from. I'm actually living in Whistler right now, which is a beautiful like mountain resort town. So it gets to be, I mean, half the year it's snowing and freezing cold here. So we are always. Oh my gosh. First. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my nightmare. Unless you're really prepared for the cold, which we're just not here. But I guess you guys have like thermals and all those things, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And fireplaces and we get all cozy and we walk around with tea all the time. It can be quite nice. But yeah, no, I think you're living the dream over there. So tell me what inspired you to start this incredible business, this gratitude empire that you've created for yourself. Tell everyone a little bit about your background and what it is that you've created. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much to it, but I think the the short end, I'll bottom line it for you, was I was lucky enough to grow up with really beautiful parents who were very kind, giving, generous to everyone. They were always, you know, the happiest people, but they also took their challenges really well. And as I got older and I got married and I was about to have my first daughter, I sort of realized that I had everything I had ever wanted in life, but I kind of wasn't super grateful for it. And I didn't realize that's what it was, but I felt like a little bit of an emptiness and I felt like I was always wanting more. Like I wanted a better house, a better car. I wanted to do better work. I was always striving, but not actually living in the moment or enjoying what it was that I had. And so... I actually started the gratitude project just as an Instagram for myself to kind of hold me accountable for being more grateful for the things that I had in my life already. And it just kind of went a little bit viral. I think that for so many people, they were in the same situation where they had things that they had dreamed about, but they weren't feeling fulfilled with it. And as it grew, and I think the, the beautiful thing about the business was it, it grew as I grew and I hit the massive challenges over the last six years and, you know, on top of becoming a mom and being married and then uncoupling with my husband and, you know, starting a business, growing a business faster than I could manage, having another baby. I, I have a heart condition that I've had to have some work done on it. The part of what I teach grew with my challenges and that was the best part about it. So that's kind of the short version of how I got here. <laughs> okay, wow. There's so much to talk about here. And I feel like so many people who are listening can probably relate to so many of the things that you are talking about in regards to reaching that point where you have something that you've wanted for a long time and you still don't feel fulfilled. You still don't feel happy. And we talk about this a lot in relation to our weight as women, because with Raw Beauty Talks, we talk a lot about, about body image. And through my personal experience, hitting that goal weight and feeling the exact same way of like, why am I not happy? This is, <laughs> I've got the body now that I was hoping for, and I'm, I'm still miserable. I'm still not happy. So how did you start to implement a gratitude practice into your life? And how did that impact your life? On the note of body image, I was horrendous. I look back at photos of myself when I was younger and I had an incredible body, but I have never, I can't remember a single time in my 20s when I was happy with the way my body looked. I would wear baggy clothes because I thought that my stomach was too big. I remember one time buying some short shorts and a friend kind of lovingly said, oh, you've got saddlebags like I do and never wearing short shorts again and all of these things. So that was one of the main areas I started with was just loving myself again. And when I started, it was starting really simply like, okay, what is it that I'm grateful for about my body? And 
you know, when I got going with this, I was pregnant. So obviously like this stomach that I've hated for so many years of my life is now carrying life. It's carrying a future. It's carrying this tiny human. Like how incredible is that? And just finding again, the things that I loved about myself and being grateful for them every day, talking to myself in the mirror, telling myself I felt beautiful, telling myself that I was enough. That to me was the biggest thing. And then also just realizing that what you see in media and especially on social media, it is not real. Most of the time it's heavily airbrushed. We're girls. We all pose so that we look the best we can. Like, you know, remembering that what I'm seeing and comparing myself to is not a realistic expectation on myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm curious when you started giving gratitude for things like your body and saying things like I am enough, did you truly feel that at the time or did it take repetition and a little bit of deeper work in order for you to start to connect the dots and in order for it to not feel like, oh, I'm just going through the motions and literally standing here being like, I love my body. Definitely. I think the first thing is you need to say to yourself things that you feel can be possible or are possible. So that was the beginning for me. So for me, it was really starting off with just saying the words, really getting to the core of saying, okay, these are the words. This is what I want to feel. This is where I want to be. And then it was finding proof of those things, finding proof that my body was incredible, finding proof that I am enough, finding proof that everything I've been and everything that I will be, every single part of that is exactly correct. I think the first part is acknowledging, okay, this is how I want to feel. These are the areas that I want to work on. This is how I want to feel there and utilizing those words, but then looking constantly for evidence because our brain goes into protection mode and goes, okay, I'm going to find anything that could cause us danger. And for us these days, danger is really not fitting in. It's not fitting in with the crowd. And that all comes back from the fact that, you know, hundreds of years ago, if we didn't fit in with our tribe, if we got kicked out of our tribe, we would be either eaten by a lion or we would starve to death. So that desire to fit in is so strong ancestrally within us that it's hard to turn it off. It's not something we can just go, oh, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. It's something you really have to work with. And then I think that if you can really get clear on making sure that you're aware of your desire to fit in, it's like, am I trying to fit in with the right people? Am I trying to fit in with the right you know, views of my body? Am I trying to fit in with what feels right to me? Or am I trying to fit in what with what I think looks right from the outside? Because that for me was a really big thing. And I think we've discussed, I call it gynophobia. My, well, it's actually called gynophobia, my fear of females in the past. And I constantly thought I wasn't good enough, smart enough, funny enough, all of those things, because I was just terrified of females. And once I started looking for evidence that I had loving women in my life, that women weren't out to get me, all of those things. When I would say the words, it would become easier. And then in my opinion, my my third step or my third part of that journey was looking at where my beliefs came from. I put that last because I felt like for me personally in my journey, I needed to do a little bit of work before I could go backwards. I wanted to move forward before I could go back because I've seen a lot of people get stuck in the past, get stuck in the you know, my parents didn't love me. I grew up with nothing. I was teased at school. I was this, I was that. And I looked at that and I thought, I don't want to start this journey as a victim. I don't want to start it thinking about all the things that happened to me. 
I wanted to think of all the reasons that they happened for me. So I started off with the words. I looked for the evidence of why they were true. And then I went back and kind of went, okay, to stop this from coming back, to stop it from happening again, where did it come from? And where is there evidence that that is not true? So, you know, the little girl that I still remember the day so perfectly. It was, I think it was like grade two. And I remember the stairs I was sitting on when I said to these girls walking past in grade two, like very, very young, these three girls walked past. One of them, I still remember her name. I remember everything about her. I said, can I sit with you guys for lunch? And they said, no, you can't sit with us. We don't like you. That for me was that defining moment. But going back through that and having now the evidence of people like me, I've been saying kind words to myself. I found it easier to work through that and realize that that little girl, Laura, was just being mean because she had her own struggles. She was adopted. She was struggling herself. She was going through her own stuff. And I found it a lot easier to work through that, knowing that I had already started to strengthen my own self-belief in how much I was enough. Yes. And I absolutely love that. I think when I reflect upon what you just said, back to my own journey, I spent so much time recovering from my eating disorder, going to therapy and dissecting the past. And I also had a really great life when I was younger and there was no significant trauma. And I got to the point where I so tired of spending so much time in the past. I was like, I want to move forward, which is what I think a great therapist can do this too. But coaches in particular really work on helping move forward and creating that life that you're craving. Yes, we're going to touch on the beliefs and things, but how do we start to take the steps forward in your life? What tools do we need to put in place in order to get you to where you want to go? And so I love that you started to work moving forwards and found some strength before you dove into the past, because there's a lot that we're carrying and a lot of emotional weight that can be sitting there. So I think that's a really powerful concept to start working on creating that strength within you before you maybe dive back into the other stuff as well. Can you touch on, did you call it gynophobia? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I Googled it one day. (laughs) It started with that experience in grade two of like, oh my gosh, females don't like me. And then because I started that belief so young of, okay, I'm not liked, I don't have many friends at school, then throughout my whole childhood, I was seeking out evidence of that being true. And we often do this, like we'll do it about our body, we'll do it about our relationship. When we we decide on a story that we're going to stick with, We'll go and hunt for the evidence that it's true. So you want to think to yourself, my partner's a total douchebag. Then you will find every single thing he does that's douchey and laser focus on that and not focus on the things that are good, which is the concept practicing gratitude is focusing on the good and expanding it. But for me, my whole upbringing was focusing on females don't like me. So a lot of the pivotal moments in my life I focus like that I remember I was focusing on why I wasn't enough. So for example, I remember having a bunch of friends over and we created a dance routine to the Spice Girls. And the whole day, like looking back in hindsight, the whole day was amazing. We had so much fun. My friends were there. We were dancing. You know, we would have been like, I don't know, 12 or 13. But we put that, you know, like the mascara hair dye in our hair. Like it was like, like I had hot pink. Yeah. 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 Remember that stuff? So I put hot pink. I did. I had pigtails because I was being baby spice. I had pigtails and I had hot pink tips of my hair. And I borrowed one of the girl's dresses. And I remember the, the pink hair mascara got on her dress. 
And my recollection previously of that day is her being so angry at me that the pink dye got on her dress and another more evidence of girls don't like me. I mess up around females. So when I look back, I can see all these stories I had and it just continued throughout adulthood when we were all young and starting to go clubbing and dancing and partying, you know, some of my friends like to take drugs and drink a lot. I didn't take drugs or drink at all. So then again, there was evidence of me not being included because I didn't like to do that stuff or I didn't want to do that stuff. Even though I had the most amazing nights out with them, totally clean and sober, I still focused on people don't like me because I don't do the things that they do that are fun or I'm being left out because I don't do that kind of stuff. So I was just always looking for evidence. And then it wasn't until I had dinner with two friends and I admitted to one of them, she was, I had never really eaten out with her before. She was someone I had met on Instagram through my other friend. And I just dead set said it. I was like, I'm really intimidated about being here. You know, I don't usually find that I connect that much with girls. I'm actually terrified because I'm, I, and I said, I'm worried that you guys won't like me. And this was only like four or five years ago. And they just coached me through it. I was really lucky. I was with two coaches. So they coached me through it. And having that realization, because of course, first comes awareness. I wasn't aware that I was terrified of females. I just had this story, oh, girls don't like me and I get along better with guys, which was not the truth. I get on really well with girls now. But once you have the awareness and once they kind of pointed out to me, like, there's no reason why we wouldn't like you and there's no reason why we would try and attack you, I I started seeing evidence of where I had amazing females in my life. And I started focusing more on nurturing the good and those relationships instead of thinking to myself, oh my God, women are awful and scary and they're going to call me names and talk about me behind my back. So once I started actively and being aware to find evidence of the opposite of what I'd been looking for evidence for before, everything shifted. And now I actually have too many friends. And like I say this, like, It's a joke to me because I used to cry to my ex-husband telling him like, you know, your friends, wives don't like me and they all like, they're such good friends, but no one likes me. And it was all BS. They totally liked me that, you know, they were lovely and they had nothing against me, but that was my story. I used to cry to him about it. And on weekends on a Saturday night, I'd be home alone and I'd be crying to him saying, why don't I have girlfriends to go out with? And now I'm like, I have to cancel on people. I'm like, I can't go out. There's too much going on. I have too many friends. You all need to leave me alone. And it's amazing. It's like the best. It's like a quality problem to have. But it all started just with awareness of being like, okay, is there something here that I need to work on? Yes. And shifting from that fear-based mindset to one of abundance and gratitude, which is exactly what you teach. Let's push pause right there and give everyone the opportunity to think about for a second maybe somewhere in their life where they've created a belief about themselves and one that might not necessarily be true. So a limiting belief or a belief that might be holding you back from creating that life that you really want. And then considering those points in your story that have fed into or really strengthened this belief. And as Ange said, the first step is really becoming aware of what that story is that you've created and how you're looking for proof for it removes some of the super glue that's holding that belief. So I love that tool. Thank you so much for sharing it. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. I want to take a second to tell you about another tool that I'm absolutely loving these days. You guys, essential oils from Sage Wellness. Essential oils are 100% natural and a way to support yourself throughout the day. Whether you're looking for a burst of energy, relief from pain or headaches, or you need help winding down at the end of the day, these beautiful oils can really help. I'm sharing my favorite Sage products over at rawbeauty.co slash sage that's s-a-j-e along with a video tutorial on how to do something called a sage breath this is a tool that instantly makes me feel more grounded and calmer which i think is something that a lot of you listening are looking for these days so head on over to see my video tutorial on how to do a sage breath if you haven't already heard about it sage's peppermint halo headache remedy is a pocket-sized essential oil blend that relieves tension headaches and leaves you with this insane cooling effect roll it directly on the back of your neck and shoulders after a long day at your computer or if you've been sitting in the car for a long time to find out which diffuser i'm loving these days my favorite oil blends the sleep mask that has drastically reduced my puffy morning eyes <laughs> that I always get, go to rawbeauty.co slash sage or click the link in our show notes. I'll see you over there. All right, let's get back to Ange. Okay, let's talk about everything that you have on the go right now because you have a lot on the go and I've been following you through social since you were pregnant. You've been growing and running your business. How are you balancing everything, maintaining your health? Let's dive into that. Well, 
I'm not. No, I <laughs> look, I have a couple of different legs to my business. I have, you know, obviously my coaching practice, I have a network marketing business, I have e-products, I have a lot that's coming up on the go as well, which is really exciting. But I actually have had to put almost everything on pause. I've had, I don't know if you know this, I've had a heart condition come up and I'm having a couple of procedures done at the end of this month. So I'm going to be taking like a month off. And well, it's actually kind of the most amazing thing ever. And I'll try and keep this long story short, but I have something called PFO, which a lot of people listening will have heard of. And it's basically a hole in your heart that's meant to close over when you're a baby that just doesn't. Mine is incredibly large. It's like maybe a quarter for you guys. I don't don't know your coins, but it's a 20 cent Australian coin in size. I have to get it closed up because it's actually... And this sounds really dramatic. And like a part of me is like, God, if I was really good at marketing, I'd make this sound really dramatic. But I had a, a, a something called a TIA stroke in my eye. So I was sitting down one day just doing some work and I suddenly went blind in my left eye. And I didn't think much of it, which is just ridiculous. I was like, this is weird. Like maybe this is something that happens as you get, you know, into your 30s. A couple of days later, I decided to go and get it tested And it turned out, yeah, we found out I'd had a stroke in my eye. Now, it's obviously not normal to just have a stroke. So we did a brain scan a couple of days later, and it turns out I had also had a stroke in my brain. So a part of my brain was completely dead. And we didn't even realize, which is so lucky, because obviously, if it had hit any other part of my brain, things could be a lot worse. But it turns out through a lot of tests that I have this hole in my heart that I have to get kind of closed over. And it's quite interesting to me because four years ago, I had a uh, another issue with my heart, which turns out now was a side effect of what I've now found to be this PFO. And it was four years to the day that I found out about this hole that I had my surgery for my other one. And it's really crazy to me because when I get into kind of push, 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 drive, 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 do everything. Oh my gosh, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this. Something happens. The universe is like, no, stop. You need to stop. And I got the little nudges. You know, there's a great kind of analogy where they talk about, you know, you'll get the feather, you'll you'll get the slap in the face and then you'll get the truck. And the, the point is you want to stop before you get the truck because the truck will hit you and totally knock you out. But I wasn't listening to those little signs that were saying to my body, you need to slow down. Like you're doing too much. All in the same month that this happened, my husband, my former husband and I had gone through, we had uncoupled and he had moved out and this had happened. And I had hit a really big promotion in my network marketing business and everything happened in the same month. And it was literally my body being like, you just need to stop. And I wasn't listening because I was like, no, I'm superwoman. I can do it all. I can get it all. I can be everything. Look at me. I'm single mama making an incredible income and doing all the things. And now it's kind of like, I've just been given this universal smackdown of like, no, you need to take time off. And I'm actually so grateful for it. And so lucky in so many ways that all of it has happened. But to me, it's just another reason that I need to share with women that you do need to slow down when your body tells you to, even just the smallest thing, like a cold or a flu, even getting hit with a migraine, something like that, those things are not a sign to push harder. They are a sign to slow down. 
that is not weakness. That is your body being strong enough to say to you, it's time to relax. You need to just give it a break. And as much as it's challenging right now, I'm just, there's so many reasons to be grateful. Obviously I'm grateful for the stroke in my eye, because if I hadn't have had that, I never would have found out about the stroke in my brain and I wouldn't be getting this procedure to stop me from having another one anytime soon. I'm grateful that I'm also in a position where I can rest and I can take a month kind of off and just choosing how I work. But yeah, it's been a full on month. So balance, I'm not, I don't do it well. I'm, I'm all too extreme. <laughs> Girl, I feel you. And I did not a, know that any of that had happened or that you were going through any of that. So I'm sorry. I'm so, I hate saying the word proud because it sounds condescending, but like I feel great <laughs> talking about the fact that you are resting because I think we do live in this culture where it's like push through it and you can take the medication and push through your cold and show up for your work anyways. You're so hardcore. And I think, especially as women, like we have these bodies that are so intuitive that we we need to listen to and need to tune into. And I feel like it's hard for people to listen to their body when it's giving them those subtle clues. And often it takes us getting to the burnout or the stroke in order for us to stop. I wish that we could listen to one another and learn from one another and just slow down a little bit and not have to go through these moments. What do you think coming out the other side, you'll take from all of this? Oh, look, I think for me personally, there's been a couple of things. Like the first one is, like I said before, just taking the warning signs in the beginning slow down. Like I knew something was off and I'm assuming that when I would have had my stroke in my brain, that's probably when things started. I didn't feel quite right. There was just something energetically that I was like, something's not working. And that something was a big chunk of my brain that had gone dead. But you know, I didn't listen. I was like, no, I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through even though I'm going through massive life changes. And a part of it is, which is the second thing, we watch social media and I'm so guilty of this as well. And sometimes I see women that I admire doing it all, releasing products, having awesome marketing strategies, exercising every day, living on the beach, just doing everything. And I'm like, okay, well, to get that, I've actually got to work more. But the opposite is true. You need to pull back and make space for those things. Because I can tell you in the times when I push and push and push and push, not so much really happens. It's the times when I take time for myself. It's the times when I meditate every day, when I get into nature every day, when I really make sure that there's space in my calendar. That's when I have my big visionary moments of like, this is what I'm going to create. And the smart thing to do, and I know this, is to delegate the things I don't like to do. But I know that for me being a control freak, that's really hard. I really struggle with it. And I've now got an incredible project manager who helps me and takes care of things for me that I don't need to. But yeah, it's releasing control and not comparing yourself to people on social media. Like the whole reason, and I've been sharing this journey around my health on my Instagram. And the whole reason I am is, you know, I had this hesitation around don't share it on social media because everyone will just feel sorry for you. And they'll think that you're just like wanting attention because you're not well and you've had a stroke. But I'm like, no, like I need to share it because I need people to see that it's not all rainbow and like sunshine. No, my husband moved out and someone who was a good friend of mine said some really awful things about me behind my back that I found out about. And so two relationships ended and then I had two strokes and went through hours of medical tests. And then I found out I have to have two 
you know, medical procedures done on my heart, which is terrifying. I have to go under a, you know, general anesthetic and do all the things. And I'm like, all of these things happened. And people on the outside, if I had not said anything about my heart, people on the outside would have been like, wow, she's got the perfect life. It's amazing. So for me, I feel like it's a duty. Like when we have what we have, we got to share. Things aren't always perfect, but this is how I'm dealing with it and give people still the value of understanding how to get through it, but not pretending we're perfect on social media. No, there's such strength in that. And I'm going to be honest, I did not know that you and Hugh had decided to uncouple or that you had split. I'm like quite shocked by it actually, because (laughs) it seems like you guys had the perfect relationship. Totally. I was guilty of that too. Sharing like all the good. I was guilty of just being like, here's all the good. And I think the, the thing with us that's probably confusing to a lot of people is there was no bad. Like we weren't fighting. We don't hate each other. We're still the best of friends and we talk every day. It's just that we understood that our soul contracts to each other were done. And in my opinion, what's sad is people staying in relationships longer than they should when it's like, okay, we've actually given everything we can to each other and the passion and the spark is gone, but we're still the best of friends. But let's move on and be happy for each other in the way we can. Because I think that society puts all these expectations on us, obviously, of, you know, you got you to stay married. You're successful in your marriage if you stay married. Whereas I think we had a very successful relationship that we saw when it was finished. We did a lot of work. We spent six months working on it. We spoke to a lot of people. We did the work to make sure. But, you know, it was a successful marriage. There's nothing about our marriage that wasn't successful. And the way that it ended has been so beautiful and respectful of each other. And I think that people feel challenged around that because it's not what we're told these days. It's not the norm to be happy about an uncoupling. Oh, I mean, when Gwyneth Paltrow spoke about uncoupling, it was like headline news. Like, what is she talking about? Supposed to hate each other and there's lawyers and there's so much drama around it. But I've seen for myself couples who are able to uncouple who, as you said, reach that point where you're like, this isn't working anymore. What were some of the signs for you that you were like, Obviously, I want to be respectful of the fact you have daughters, but what were some of the signs for you that your marriage contract, your soul contract had kind of expired? For us personally, we just became like best friends, like brother and sister, kind of to the point where, that you know, we have fun together. We really like each other's company. But in my opinion, like, you know, a marriage should be about like passion and just excitement for the other person. And we found that what started to happen is we weren't giving each other what we needed from each other. So like our love language is very different. Mine is 100% touch. Physical touch is my love language, not his at all, not even a little bit. And then his is like words of affirmation and acts of service. And, you know, for me, I'm the type of person who I'll be like, oh my God, thank you so much. But he actually needs it in a different way. And so when we actually did the work on that, you know, when it was like, okay, you need to touch me more and I need to really, really, really express my gratitude to you to next level extreme so that you really feel it. And we've worked out how to do that for him. He needs to see it in writing. He doesn't hear it in words. He needs to see it in writing, which is really cool. But all of a sudden, like, you know, with the work we were doing, I remember we sort of had a session with a friend of ours who does a lot of work around relationships. And I looked at Hugh and he looked at me and I said, I feel like we're just forcing each other to act how we aren't naturally going to act so that we can save this marriage. And maybe it's just done. Like maybe we're just done. 
And the the kind of weeks following it was like, okay, for me to make you happy, I have to force myself to be a way that I'm not really naturally, which you would do for someone that you're head over heels in love with. And he was the same. He's like, I don't, you know, he doesn't like touching and being PDA and all that stuff. And we didn't want to be like, I want to force you to act differently so that we can stay together. You know, we kind of sat down and I was like, you know, it's scary and it's different, but we're, maybe we're just done as a couple and this is our new way. And we've always been really open to the fact that maybe people don't stay together forever. And I've had a really positive experience of divorce. My mum is remarried and, you know, so in love and my stepdad's amazing. I've known him since I was 13. They've been together for a long time. And I have really positive experiences of, you know, my parents had a great marriage while they had it, but then now my mum has a new great marriage and my dad is really happy as well. And it's, it doesn't have to be bad. And then on the other side, you know, I've seen people whose parents have stayed together for too long or even just friends who have stayed together past when they were supposed to or when maybe the love and connection that a married couple has goes away and you see that it becomes resentment because all of a sudden, you know, your partner is not supposed to fill a gap for you. It's just meant to amplify your happiness. The relationship is meant to be icing on top of the cake. But when you start feeling in that energy of maybe we're not meant to be together, but forcing it, I think resentment comes because it's a confusing emotion and people don't know how to take it. And I'm no expert in this field whatsoever, but this is just my own personal experience. And it's very polarizing. There are some people are not keen on what I have to say around this, but I think sometimes divorces get messy because people dragged it out too long. Sometimes I think that people didn't have the conversations when they started feeling something. And I think Hugh and I won in making this successful because we communicated every step of the way. From the minute I said to him, I don't know if I still feel the love I felt for you in that way. From that moment, it was never, how dare you, you bitch, you this, you that. It was never anything negative. It was, let's communicate. Let's talk about this. And when you can be open in a relationship and have that kind of communication, things happen very differently. Yes, absolutely. It's a very different space to be in. And I think there's so many different definitions and values and beliefs that people have around marriage and divorce. And so I understand why it would be polarizing. But I think same as anything, it's doing what's right for you and in the state that it's right for you. And that's all that really matters. I mean, whether you're in the marriage that it's resentful, but you're sticking it out or whether you're consciously uncoupling and that feels right for you. It's about just that doing what is right for you and what feels good for you and your family. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Thank you for sharing that. Such a beautiful story. And I'm so excited to see how everything turns out for you. You're just such an incredible woman, so strong. And we are 100% here behind you as you go through this next month and navigate this next chapter. It's going to be really exciting to see it all unfold. You can follow Ange over at Gratitude Project. You mentioned you have a lot of things coming down the pipeline after your break. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like two or three nights ago, I had the realization that I wanted to do something. And actually, you'll probably be the first person I'll publicly say this to. I've always been the type of person when it comes to this particular thing that I've been like, no, that's not me. That's probably not my thing. And it was probably a lot of fear. But about two nights ago, I was lying with my girls in bed, putting them to sleep. And a book 
just everything about it just flowed into my mind within the space of about 15 minutes. The cover, the chapters, how I wanted to word it, a book just like it literally was, it sounds really weird, but like conceived into my body. It was like this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, I actually really want to write a book. And so it's something long pipeline. It's probably the one thing I can share with you now, but that's something that I'm, yeah, I'm just like, no, I think it's time now. I really, and not for, you know, I've had a few friends who've written books and they're like, you don't make money off books. Not for that, but just more so for in the moments when I'm really honest on social media, so many people connect with it and kind of that one message brings them together And I see this book as being something that brings women back together by kind of uniting them in understanding that their struggles are actually their biggest blessings. And I want to create a community through the words. And so that's all kind of coming into fruition in some crazy way over, I'm saying three years, I'm like not putting a close time limit on it, but that's going to be something that I'm going to spend a lot of time on in the next couple of years, maybe sooner, but watch this space. (laughs) Can't wait to get our hands on it whenever it comes to fruition. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely beautiful. So the best places for people to find you and to connect with you further, Instagram, probably? Definitely Instagram and Facebook. That's kind of where I hang out. I I like both of them. Instagram and Facebook are just the easy ones, right? (laughs) And your website, what's your website address? It is thegratitudeproject.com. So literally just Google it and it'll be the first one that comes up. Amazing. Thank you so much for showing up today, opening your heart, sharing your story and leaving our listeners with tools. All right, that is it for this episode, but please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave a review. We read every single one of them and we appreciate it so much. Take a screenshot, share it on social, tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. As we wrap things up, remember your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these podcasts, keep tuning back into yourself to see what resonates for you. If you'd like a little bit of extra help, you can head on over to our blog where we have a sign up for a free mind, body, heart scan. All right, beauties, that's it for today. We will see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.